0: Now, if you have your Bibles turned to Ruth chapter 3, it will not be on your screen. You're going to have to do it by either the app, uh, which is the YouVersion app, or the good old Bible, which you should have one in front, up here, you know, in front of you in the pew back. I'd ask you to turn to Ruth 3. We are going to go through this section pretty much verse by verse of Ruth. So uh, I just want to just rem- remind you of what Ruth has gone through. Ruth was a Moabite woman. She was in her area. I'm going to give you some uh, context on what it meant to be a Moabite. But she was, she was there, and she ends up marrying um, Naomi's son. Naomi took two sons into the Moabite area because there was a famine in the area of Bethlehem where they came from, which was the city of bread. They left, they went out, they got married to two Moabite women, and they both died. And so Ruth was left with two daughters-in-law, and she she took them back on a journey back to Bethlehem. And so she had experienced loss in a significant way. Not only had she experienced loss, but she also went back away from her roots. She left Moab and went to a totally different place with a totally different people, totally different customs, everything changed. That is a lot of stress. If this is your first time coming to church, it's stressful coming to a new place, right? sort of awkward, is that awkwardness about it? I get awkward sometimes, even though I'm here all the time, just like people you don't know, just sort of a sense of awkwardness. She left what she knew, and she went back with Naomi. And so remember what she went through as we discussed right now what her problem was. Ruth chapter three, verse one. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter should i not speak seek rest for you that it may be well with you naomi was seeing very clearly that uh, Ruth needed to be taken care of, that she and could not take care of her like a husband could take care of. Things were a lot different back then. It was a, a lot different setup, a lot of different things. And so they had a, a context of needed to be cared for. And some of that carries forward as well. So Naomi sensed that. I think Naomi was caring about this daughter-in-law of hers. She pretty much is like that was her daughter at this point, And she knew that she needed something. And so then we get into the summary of the facts. Verse 2, is not Boaz our relative? And if you remember what uh, has been preached on the past couple weeks, Boaz was an older man, uh, older than Ruth, but he was apparently a fairly wealthy person, and he began to take care of her. He began to take care of Naomi, and word got round to Boaz on how good a daughter Ruth was to Naomi. And so is, she, she asks, is not Boaz a relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. So Naomi had something going on. She had a plot. Now, some of you, I would say not all women, but some of you women are matchmakers. I've heard it. I've heard the, the, you know, maybe some of you guys in here, you know, it's like, oh, you know, well, this person and this person, and, you know, I get real <laughs> awkward at those places. I sort of leave and get away because I do not want to be part of that too much. Um, I have been part of it, but, you know, some people are matchmakers. Naomi wasn't just looking for a match. She was looking for someone to care for her daughter, and she had a prescription for the problem, which is verse three. Listen to what he, she tells her to do wash therefore and anoint yourself in essence get cleaned up anoint yourself with oil it's probably like olive oil you got to remember they didn't have um this stuff right they didn't have all the good the right guard and the left guard and the, the secret and all that stuff to take care of so they probably smelled pretty funky in in this season you ever been there before you know, you know, when someone walks in, you don't want to, you know, when you smell, you smell bad, you don't want to be around anybody, at least if you're somewhat sane, unless she's going to bring it into it. You don't want to be like pig pen on, on the peanuts, right? Just walk around the big dust cloud. She said, clean yourself up, anoint yourself, and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he had finished eating and drinking. Okay, this is weird, and it gets weirder. We're going to address that. Clean yourself up, anoint yourself, and I want you to go, and I want you to observe what's going on. So, um, here's something about it, though. Boaz, Boaz was busy working. Boaz owned all this stuff, but he was not too good to get down and do the work himself. So, normally in this context, the owner of the land would come in and observe during the day, and then he'd probably go back home to the confines of comfort, but not Boaz. Work was not beneath him. He was steady, busy doing work. Ruth, in the same aspect, Ruth came and she went, and she went to the field and was busy working. She went to the fields after they gleaned the fields and there were some left behind and she took and put whatever food she could find to take home to her mother-in-law to feed them. Both of them were industrious and they were doing work. I think it's a great example. They did not say, well, you know, I can't do this. They did whatever it took to get by and Boaz, in a sense, I think was even in a cooler thing, he probably didn't have to do but he did it anyway and he set the example. I love it when people do that. And um, my best instance of, and and if you've been around here for a while, you've heard the story before, but when I was in a school in Oklahoma, uh, we were there and one of my uh, members in the group was a Special Forces E6 and I was like an E4. And it came time to clean the toilet and we, he got assigned to lead a group of us to go clean the toilets. It's not my favorite job. Just saying, I don't like doing it. I, I just, something weird about it. And I'm looking at this guy going, he's going to direct me to do it. You know, he's got a special forces tab, his little green beret and all that. This man, without a second delay, went and grabbed the toilet brush and began to lead by example. And I stood there astonished. I'm like, man, it's not beneath him to clean those toilets. It's certainly not beneath me to do it. What a great example. Boaz, I think, set this example as well. But let's, um, so they're both busy working. But let's go back to Moab. Ruth from Moab was a descendant of Lot, the story gets stranger. If you think this story is strange, it's far worse what happens to Lot. To be a descendant of Lot is a bit of a scary thing. And so I'm going to assume no one knows the story. I know this, many of you do. But when, they, when Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah, you might remember his wife turned around and she turned to a pillar of saw. I'm not going to go to it too long, but they went, his two daughters, and it's it's deep and it's it's ugly. They were concerned about carrying on their family, got their father intoxicated, and I wouldn't say he was complicit. I, I just can't imagine you just do that. Some people do. Sorry about that. But he got intoxicated and was in a relationship with his daughters. Ruth came out of that line, right? You want to think the story's weird in chapter 3, go back and look at Lot's deal. And then you go back and look at Noah's deal. It's complicated. It's ugly. It's not pretty. And yet, we're seeing what I would say is a totally different perspective so Boaz went he worked hard he was in the fields gleaning he went back they had dinner I'm certain from the context they had wine and they enjoyed themselves and you'll see it in what it says but I don't believe he got intoxicated all right so he's enjoying himself so go back and think of Lot and what he did so there's a balance in things But she descended from Lot, and she is demonstrating what is a Hebrew term called hesed in her actions that we're going to see. And I want to unbreak that for you a little bit because it plays into this story. Hesed literally means love. The definition of it is the basic aspect of relationships between human beings and between God and humans, encompassing affection, loyalty, and responsibility. In biblical usage, the emphasis is on the quality of the relationship. Naomi had Hesed with Ruth, Ruth with Naomi. Boaz had Hesed with the people that worked for him. He worked hard. He worked with them. He had good relationships. The people in both these groups knew what was going on. Like we live in a small town, right? You know how it's like you can't get away with anything in a small town? This is like it was there. Your reputation gets across. It's quick. It comes. It's like you do something and people hear about it. But they had this Husset about him. They had these deep relationships that were built in trust We're built in community, we're built in love, and in many cases, we're built in a relationship with God the Father. They had that. So Ruth listened to her mother-in-law. Now think about it, ladies. Just think about this. Yeah, all all the mother. Imagine telling your daughter, hey, tonight... There's just going to be the dude in the cornfield up by a hay bale with a group of guys. I want you to clean up, and we're going to read this. I want you to clean up, put on some uh, Chanel number 5, and that's old, I'm sure. But whatever y'all put on, I want you to go, and he's going to have a blanket on. I want you to cover his feet. And not say a word and just lay beside him. Uh uh. Ladies, don't even have to be you. I'm just going, nope, not gonna do that. Naomi had a plan and a prescription, and it was not what I would say a normal thing to do what she did and to tell Ruth. But Ruth trusted her mother in law. Ruth also, I believe, trusted Boaz, and she was obedient to doing something that she was called to do that was incredibly awkward. Once you notice one more thing. It's important to understand, her cleaning, her putting on anointing with oil, her putting on new garments was, in a sense, her leaving the widow, being a widow in the time of mourning, and moving into a new transition of life. And I have a sense that Ruth had her eye on Boaz, and Boaz had his eye on Ruth, but because she was still mourning, she said, "Nope, it's, he said, "No, it is not time to make myself known." I think Boaz was respectful of this lady in her time of mourning. This harkens back to 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20, when David, King David, was in a time of grieving. It says this, Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. He then went to his own house, and when he asked, they set food before him and ate. What does this mean? There is a time of grieving, but there is also a time to put on new clothes and move on. Now, I could do a whole sermon on this. I've got to constrain myself to not go on it. Some of you have never put on new clothes. Some of you have, are wearing the same old woe with me garments that Ruth was wearing, in a sense, are, are, are living in the past, living in the what ifs and what could be and wearing the old rags when there is a time that you get forgiven, that you get restored, that you say enough is enough and you take a shower spiritually and you put on some an oil on and clean yourself up and you say, I am done with that. It's really hard not to preach a sermon on this. Ruth is demonstrating that her time of grieving was over through this. Verse 4. But when Boaz lies down observe the place where he lies then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. There's no way I'm going to tell one of my daughters to go lay down at someone's feet and do what he says to do. All right? Am I am I the only one here? It's strange. It was a scheme. There was a lot of trust involved. However, I believe that Naomi knew the character of Boaz and Naomi knew the character of Ruth. And she trusted God ultimately. Verse 5, her reply, All that you have said, I will do. Imagine giving that leeway to your mother-in-law. So what's the scheme? How does it play out? Verse 6, so she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. Weird, weird. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over and, and, and people who reference this think that it probably got cold in the middle of the night. The chill of the air came over and if you ever slept outside, you know, and he woke up and all of a sudden there's this woman lying beside him, sort of harkened into the days of Adam with Eve showing up. He was startled and a woman's laying at his feet and he said, who are you? It's a good question. It's dark and there's a woman at your feet. It's a good to question to ask who she was. And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Gets even weirder. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. What is going on here? Now let me give you some context. Remember Lot, remember Lot, the things that did that were wrong. In this case, it was known that prostitutes would show up to where the men were working. They're away from their homes. It's, you know, it's sort of categorized, and they would show up at these places and sell themselves to men who were busy working and probably just got paid. So he looks down. There's a woman there beside him. He wants to know who she is. And her response was Beautiful. I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you a redeemer. So Ruth seizes on the initiative. What does she do? She turns the attention from herself to who he was. She recognized herself as a lowly servant, and him being the master. She was an uninvited visitor on his turf. She was a woman, and he was a man. She was a foreigner. And he was a native. But she said, you, I am your servant, and you are a redeemer. It harkens back to last week's message on Ruth 2.12. It says, the Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Ruth is taking that another step. She is saying... Boaz said, you trust God, let God protect you, let him sovereignly come over you and protect you, which is awesome. Next chapter, she rolls up and says, I want you to protect me as your wife. She was very clearly saying, I want to marry you. And he was not unaware of this. It is not how we would do things. But it was it happened, and she was asking him to be her redeemer. Verse ten, he blesses her, and he said, "May the Lord blessed. May the Lord be blessed. May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether rich or poor." He knew her reputation. He's saying, you're going to be blessed because you didn't come do the easy thing. You didn't just come run after. You could have run after younger men, more rich men, more handsome men, but you did not run and take the easy out, and God's going to bless you for that. Her reputation put her in a position to be blessed. Blessed. Verse 11, and now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. The word had gotten around. Her reputation had gone around the small community. They knew who she was. They knew she was a Moabite. They knew she was an outsider, but they knew her reputation. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I, Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. There was someone in the family lineage who was closer. Their way of taking care of each other were that if your brother, sister, whatever, someone passes away that you would bring them in and care for them as your own. There was someone closer than Boaz, and Boaz was. Instead of just doing what was easy at the time, instead of just getting what he wanted now, he waited, he was a man of integrity, he stopped, and he said, if this man does not take you, does not claim to be your redeemer, then I will do it, but I'm gonna make it the right way, the right time, the right place, so that everyone will know we did it in the right way. But what's the perception here, and how does he deal with it? He tells her to, to lie down until the morning. And so verse 14, so she lay at his feet until morning, but arose before one could recognize another. Does that seem deceptive to you? My first hand, it seems deceptive. Wait a minute, you're doing something weird already. You're laying at this guy's feet, you've uncovered his feet, and you're there. Weird. Sun comes up, all the guys are gonna see you by this guy's feet, and they're gonna know what's up. Right, we're adults here, right? They're all gonna make assumptions. True, yeah? And so, although they were upright in what they did, they recognized the power of perception and said, look, I'm, he said, get up before it's dark and leave, but it essentially he ends up where he's the one that got up and left. So verse 14, so she lay down at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another, and he said, "Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor." And he said, "Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out." So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley. She held up her garment, and he just put. And heaped barley into her clothing. And he blessed her in that way. And she held it and measured, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. What were the results? Verse 16. And when she came to her mother in law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? I'll be like, going. tell me what's up, what happened? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these are the six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Once he knew, we're gonna get to that next week, he waited, he waited on the right time, he waited on the right place, he trusted God's sovereignty that he would work it out. He did not get in front of God. Ruth went through great suffering, a loss of a husband, moving out, dealing with all this stuff, and waited, and she came under the commands of God. She took on the God of Isaac, or Israel, Isaac, Jake. how do you say that? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And she obeyed him, and God blessed her. She brought her in and blessed her. She did not push forward the time schedule. She did not make something happen because it was the easy thing to do. Boaz did the same. And so these two honored God, and God blessed them. So what are some takeaways? Briefly, Hassed What are your relationships like with one another? Are they upright? Are they honorable? Are you trustworthy? Are you faithful? Because that reputation gets around. It gets around quickly. Have you moved past grieving? Maybe grieving past sin? Remember, we sang, I think, the last song Leave behind your what? Regrets and mistakes. Have you stopped and said, God, it is finished. I am done with that. I regret it. I want to feel the weight of it. I have felt the weight of it. I have received forgiveness. I have asked for forgiveness. And now it's right. I'm going to clean up and move on. Have you moved past that? Have you learned the lesson of Ruth and Boaz of hard work and obedience? That sometimes you just got to get out of the field and plow. Sometimes you got to do things that are difficult. Some things, sometimes you just gotta do something you don't like and both of them did that and ultimately, do you trust God and his sovereignty for your future? I wanna tell you, Ruth is a, an amazing woman and had an amazing faith and had an amazing trust and ultimately we know that God brought her from the descendants of Lot and transformed her life into being a, in the lineage of Jesus Christ. He took her regrets and mistakes and difficulties and wrapped them all up in a bow and gave her a gift. This is what King Jesus can do. Leave behind your regret and mistakes. Leave, find victory in it. Trust God for your future. It's time to move forward. Would you bow with me as we pray? I want to ask a few people who are willing to pray for folks just to come up because we usually have them and we, 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 I'm sure we're going to have a few. But I'm going to ask you to do something today. If you have not ended a grieving cycle in your life. If you have not found forgiveness and found restoration and you need to seal that today, maybe you've done some horrific things and you're wearing the old garments, I want you to find victory today. I don't want you to leave here carrying and wearing the old weight of sin and shame. It's time to clean up It's time to trust God and move forward. So would you stand as we pray and come to communion? And if you want to pray that prayer, certainly you can do that alone. Certainly you can do that with someone you trust in here. But a number of us will be up front. We'd be happy to pray with you and just seal that deal. God, I thank you for Ruth. But Lord, ultimately, I thank you for the fruit of Ruth, which leads to Jesus Christ and our hope for a future, our hope for forgiveness, our hope for redemption. He is our redeemer, he is the first redeemer. He is greater than everything else. Lord, he is our kinsman redeemer. And so God, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for his shed blood and his broken body, Lord, that has been made whole upon his resurrection. God, we thank you that we have a hope and a future. Lord, would you cause us to move forward in that like Ruth did? Would you cause us to have a trust like Ruth did and a faith like Ruth did? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.